Are you struggling in your faith? Are you pretending you're happy but stuck in a spiritual rut? Are you tired of listening to famous pastors and preachers who make it sound so easy? Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Protestant and Catholic voice in America. I talk about the important things that nobody else is talking about, like how to align with God's plan for your life, because I believe this is where 90% of Christians get stuck. And I tackle the negative self-talk that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are brave Protestants and Catholics who share their struggles, their fears, and their daily holy habits that help them win in their spiritual lives. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist and a spiritual coach to Christian business owners and CEOs who are married with children. This show was created for you, the broken Catholic, who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my featured guest is Will Moore. He is a dynamic entrepreneur, speaker, life coach, and happiness expert. I just want to find out what that's all about. Happiness expert. Who doesn't want that? So his number one mission in life is to gamify the process of personal wellness so that people like you become addicted to becoming the happiest and best version of yourself. In turn, you, you then pay it forward to help the world become the best version of itself. Now, after exiting his delivery startup for a combined nine-figure sum in 2019, Will de- redefined his definition of success. He confirmed what he already knew deep down that our happiness doesn't come from sitting on a beach, drinking pina coladas all day, but from understanding what makes us truly happy at our core, then taking action on those things every day. From this sprung Will's five cores. That's what he calls it, his five cores. We're going to get into that today. We're going to really find out and discover how those five cores in your life are going to help you achieve the happiness that you're chasing. So Will uh, Moore, you can find him at moremomentum.com. A link will be in the show notes, moremomentum.com. Will Moore, welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Uh, Welcome to the show. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Wow. Thanks, buddy. Joseph, it's a pleasure to be here, man. I'm super psyched. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, blanks. Woo. I, we, could, we could go for days. There's a lot of blanks. Um, <laughs> uh, first off, I'll just, the five cores, just so if people are like, what are the five, you know, there's, there's well, a lot. Let's of- not go there yet. Let's not go okay, there okay. yet. Okay. Before we go there though, because <laughs> sure. first I want to get into your story. Then we'll get into the five cores. You got to leave dessert for the end of the show. You know that. That makes a lot of sense. I, I do. It does make Learned. a lot of sense. Learned. Every, not my first rodeo. Um, so t- take a minute, share something personal about you that very few people in your business life actually know. Uh, personal about me. So I have two small children. I mean, you know, when you're a dad, I feel like that's the first thing that comes to mind. Um, you've, I've got a four and a half year old. I've got a 19 month old, two boys. They're everything. They're, they're a big part of why I have revitalized this 25 year quest that I've had to sort of, I've been slowly working on this book. I'm a crazy, crazy note taker. I mean, I've got like mm. dictionaries worth of, of notes. Um, fortunately, when the iPhone came out back in like 2008, I switched to digital. So it became a little bit more manageable, but um, just since college, I hit my rock bottom. We can talk about that shortly, but since then been kind of evolving into the person I am today went from, I would have traded my brain for anything and suicidal in college to now I, I wouldn't trade my, my brain for, um, for anything in the world, anybody's brain. I don't care who you, who you say. I love my brain. I love the way it works. I like, I like the way that I look at the world and I like the way I've been able to interact with it. I struggle and have stuff just like everybody else, but what I've learned to become is what I call a growth owner versus the old me was a fixed victim where I now try to look at the world and say, okay, I just fell down. That sucked. Um, it's going to sting. I'm not going to try to fight that. Let me just welcome the sting because I'm not going to try to pretend it wasn't there, but then it's okay. What next? What did I learn? How do I come bigger, better, faster, stronger, smarter from that and use that to propel me forward and build my momentum. Whereas the old me, it would have stopped me dead in my tracks. I would have felt sorry for myself. And I would have said, Oh, my brain's broken. I, I stink. Um, I'm stupid, blah, 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 which I think a lot of people struggle with. And so that's kind of become my quest is to help people to sort of transform from point A to point B using these five different cores. Mm, got it. Let's go back in time. Let's go back to college. Um, you know, you said you didn't like your brain back then. That's a very interesting, um, just narrative. Uh, I've, I haven't heard before. Like I didn't like my brain. Now I love my brain back then. I would have thrown it away. Now I want to keep it. Like right. what specifically didn't you like about it? Was it the negative self-talk that it was producing back then? Or was it something else? 
Um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely the negative stuff. So I just going back a little further. So just to give you a backdrop of how I got there. Um, I was born in Pasadena, California to two hippie parents. Uh, my mom's father was actually general in World War II, four-star uh, four general. So she came from a very conservative um, military family. They moved around a lot. One of the state, one of the places they were stationed was Hawaii. When I was two years old, we moved from Pasadena, California to Hawaii, to Honolulu, Hawaii. Um, my dad, my grandfather boycotted the wedding. So she was cut off from my, her parents because she, they're like, what are you now all of a sudden you're a hippie and this is what you're doing with your life. Okay. Well, you're, you're done as far as we're mm. concerned. So, um, and my dad also actually came from a fairly conservative background and he, he ran away early. Um, when I say ran away, when he turned 18, he was gone. He was like out the door and, and didn't have the best relationship with his parents either. So I don't know, you know, there's the, we, we could dissect for, for millions of hours, how that all played into my dynamic with my parents, but they did divorce when I was about two years old, three years old. Um, mm. fortunately for me, they, we, they all, we all lived in Hawaii. So I was able to still see both, but I was always an outsider. We didn't have a lot of money. We were actually the only like reverse racism. We were the only white kids in an all um, Hawaiian neighborhood. And it was a low income neighborhood. And, you know, at our school, like my picture, I need to actually need to pull that up. It's kind of interesting. I'm the only, it's like just all these faces. Um, and it's just, you know, me and my sister, just these two kind of like bright white. Um, and, and, you know, we just weren't really accepted. And it was like, you know, we were, we were called Howleys is what they, they call them in Hawaii which is like, you know, the, the white outsiders um, that, you know, we didn't, and, but, but then we slowly started to integrate and we started talking pidgin. Pidgin is the Hawaiian language. It's like slang, um, you know, similar to any dialect here where like a Southern slang or whatever, um, and they have their own kind of words for certain things. And so we finally did start to integrate. So when I was, but then when I was seven, my parents were divorced. As I said, my dad went on a trip around the world for a couple of years and my mom decided to move us to Bethesda, Maryland. She reconciled with her parents. And um, they had, a, they were living in a very, you know, conservative, nice area there. So we, we transplanted there, I think, for my mom to get help from them financially and just, you know, overall support, having two kids, not easy. And again, I was the outsider. And it was like, here's this kid with this long hippie hair, wore overalls, you know, uh, talked pigeon. People were like, what is this? And I just, I didn't integrate well, straight up. And I'll just never forget elementary school through, I was actually born, my name was Rocky up until the age of seven. Uh, I officially changed it because I was getting teased so much. Again, my parents were hippies. My sister was born Puff, Puff son Peth Moore, if that tells you anything. Uh, she's now- Like Puff the, Puff the Magic Dragon like Puff? Puff Magic Dragon, that's exactly right. Uh, like Puff, 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 right? Hippie style. So you can only imagine, you know, just imagine the most conservative type neighborhood and then us rolling in and people being like, who is this kid? And I just, my, my confidence, I, you know, confidence is one of those things I'm always fascinated by. I know that the way I look at it, I think there is nurture versus nature. I think certain people are born with a little bit more. However, nature definitely plays a big part of it. And I think as a kid, if you're moved around and you don't quite fit in, it just starts to degrade that confidence and it compounds. And so I just, I didn't have it. And it just really went on a downward spiral. And then by the time, you know, through high school, I was picked on, I was teased. Um, I was, I was a late bloomer. That didn't help anything. Right. So when every other guy had gone through puberty and all, you know, all the chicks are checking them out, I'm just a little this little squirt. And then when I did go through puberty, which was like my junior year of high school, which most guys went through like in their freshman year, uh, it was over a summer. I grew like seven inches and I'm six foot three. You can't tell because I'm sitting down. Wow. I literally grew so fast that I was just this walking stick and I could not even pick up a, a, a ketchup bottle because I would like bump it because I was not even used to my limbs being that long. It was, it was insane. And I would, needless to say, I was not a sports athlete. I was not a sports star. Okay. Women were like, you know, what is this thing? Um, guys were like, what is this thing? So I, I just, it was awful. So college hits, I'm pretty much like, okay, this is my last shot. Again, victim mentality. My brain's broken, but if I could just get a fresh start and if I could just, you know, people could see me differently, but I hadn't evolved my brain and my thinking. So it's, it, I've learned since then that that's not how it works. And so I, I went in and the same thing basically happened. Um, my insecurities and, and my inability to know how to interact well with others in my social, um, whatever you want to call it, uh, led me to actually being the only person in my entire hallway of all the new freshmen. There's like 30, 30 guys that didn't get a bid into a fraternity. Mm. So a lot of people may say, oh, you know, that's high class problems. But at the time to me in college, everybody's in a fraternity. That's like the entire like ecosystem of this, of what I'm surrounded by. And to not get in one was like, it was like death. I was like, Oh my God, here we go again. So I, I really was pretty much suicidal. I'm like, what, what's the point? Like here I am now another four years of this, I'll basically just now have to like walk with my head, with my head down because I'm embarrassed because I didn't get into a fraternity and nobody wanted to hang out with me and yada, yada. So very, very fortunately, I had my cataclysmic spark moment where I, I basically just threw myself into school and I thought, you know what? There's, I have nothing else going. I'm just going to like 
really do fo focus on school and do well. And, and maybe I'll be able to transfer to an even better school or something. I just, I just, that became my focus. And my favorite professor, I'll never forget. He was a, it was a religions of the world course, ironically. Um, and he just in passing, I really respected this guy. He was a young guy. He had a lot of charisma. He had a lot of mojo. He, he, he connected with the kids real well. And I was like, wow, this guy's awesome. And he just in passing one day says, so I read this book when I was younger. It was called How to Win Friends and Influence People. Really changed my life. Um, anyway, so back to, and I just, it, something struck me. I was like, I like who this guy has become. This is the guy I want to be. So I wrote that, that name down. Didn't hear a, rest, a word for the rest of class. Just was focusing on this. Ran straight to the library. Thank God they had the book. Devoured it. Devoured this book. And for the first time, I was like, okay, there's another way to look at the world. There's these universal principles that maybe I can start using. There's, you know, I don't have to look at myself or, or most people see the world similar to me, which is it's all about them, 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 but it takes a higher evolved self to sort of step back and make it about other people. And when you put the focus on others, you make other people feel important. It, there's this magical reciprocal process that ends up starting happening where, to where then they start doing it to you and it kind of all just overflows and you start developing good relationships, which is what happened. All right. So BC Nation, Will has done, I think, a very in-depth study of his background uh, here with us and opening up his, his story to us, his vulnerabilities, uh, which I, I really appreciate. And the pattern that I'm picking up, and maybe you're picking it up as well, um, Will, you were, you know, from the time you were a little guy, uh, you were a social outcast. Oh, yeah. Big time. You know, every environment, new environment you went into, you were the guy who didn't fit. You were the puzzle piece uh, with the wrong edges. And that can be devastating for a little boy, you know, with our need to feel accepted, to feel loved, to feel lovable. You know, these very real human emotions that every single one of us is gifted with. Um, if that's not fed over time, man, we could really go inward. Um, into dark places of, of ourself. And, and it sounds like, you know, your brain went there. Um, praise God that uh, you did find an outlet um, and a different uh, new possibility, another possibility for winning in life possibly. Um, and, but I, I want to go there for a second, right? Because so many times I have guests on the show and I know many of my listeners, we come from broken homes. I come from a broken home. Um, my parents got divorced at eight and a half years old. You were very young and we didn't choose that. We didn't choose the brokenness in our family, but it was what was thrown at us. And sometimes it really will devastate us. And what we do, I think, is we create these limiting belief systems to survive through that traumatic event or series of traumatic events. And you had a series of traumatic events. Right. And BC Nation, like, I'd like you to ask yourself, what limiting belief system are you still carrying into your adult life that you had as a kid? And it served you back then. It helped you survive, but now it's actually stopping you in your life. It's not serving you anymore, but you don't know how to get rid of it because it's a habit. <laughs> Will, do you have one of these limiting beliefs that you could just kind of like pull out of the hat and identify that maybe you're still carrying or was the last one you got rid of that um, you used, you know, the little boy version of Will created to survive, you know, back then. Um, but then as an adult, uh, you clearly saw this was not serving you. Do you have something? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, kind of going back, this fits back into where, where we left off. So I read that book. I, 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 from that moment, I became an insatiable self-help beast. And I literally just, I went to that section of the library, which fortunately at our school at the time, wasn't that big. And I was like, oh, this is manageable. I can read all these before I graduate. And I basically just started devouring these books and just really just diving into. And then, but what ended up happening is as I'm reading the same, sometimes I'd read the same thing in different ways and the puzzle pieces started connecting. And I started coming up with where I'm like, okay, this is a total truth is what I call them, like a universal truth. But in my world, it's if I've read it several times and I've actually used myself as a human science experiment and tried it out and found that it actually is a truth. And, and I'm like, okay, I'm writing this one down. This has been around since the beginning of man. It's going to be around until we destroy ourselves. You can hang your hat on it. Universal truth. And this is, goes into those notes I was telling you about. And so I would like take notes and write these things. And one of the limiting, one of the things I, a theme that I would see a limiting belief that, you know, so many people struggle with is, is that negative self-talk. 
And as I started reading these, these books and, and hearing it in different ways, and you know, it's, it's amazing too how we can read it one way from one person and then read it another way from another person and then it clicks. You know, mm -hmm. That's why to me, reading is so important. You know, don't just read one book and then put it down and you're done for life. It's like, no, like re I reread Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, that very first book I ever read, I probably read both at least 10 times. And I like to do the refreshers and I always get something new out of it. Um, but anyway, so the limiting belief part, I just, it was that negative self-talk that I realized, holy cow, like I'm spending 95% of my time telling myself what a loser I am and how nobody likes me, you know, and, and not in those exact words, but through different, you know, and, and it, it all reflected my body language. I wouldn't make eye contact with people. Of course, people didn't want to be around me. Right. So it's not like, and, and then that's started taking me out of that victim mindset of like, what's wrong with everybody else? Why can't they like me? Poor me. Like my brain's broken. Why, you know, why, why can't people see that I am a good person? Right. But no, it was up to me. I had to show them. I had to start using these universal principles and actually, instead of putting all the focus on myself and not making eye talk, contact and getting insecure and not being able to carry a conversation because I was worried about what the other person thought, then I started, you know, putting the focus and the onus on the others. And, and those, those negative self-talks just started fading slowly but surely. Now here I am, you know, 25 years later, it doesn't happen overnight. Anybody that says you can just buy a book for $9.99 or, or, you know, hit a button and, and you're automatically going to be fixed. It's, you got to put the work in. And anybody that's been there, that's done it, that's transformed their lives, that's transformed their business, just transformed their body, whatever it is, you've got to put in the work and it doesn't happen overnight. And it's, as you, you mentioned the word habits earlier, to me, that's everything. It's all about habits. What are the habits? I call them failure versus success habits. What are the failure habits you've developed that are causing you negative momentum leading to that victim mindset? What are the success habits you want to replace those with that lead to that positive momentum that I'm going to give fear of the finger obstacles are temporary roadblocks waiting for solutions. There's nothing that can stop me. So BC nation, we're about to get into uh, Will's five cores as promised. However, before we do, Will, I, I'd like to just go here for a moment with you because I really relate to your story. Um, I also found my outlet to be self-help books. Tony Robbins was the first one, right. That I picked up and, um, and that really allowed me just to see a different lens of the world that other than what I grew up in. And thank goodness, right. Cause I didn't like my childhood. I didn't like the pain. I didn't like when my parents got divorced and, you know, one parent whispered in my ears over and over again, that my other parent never loved me, that it was all a lie. They've been pretending my whole childhood uh, because they wanted me to pick them, you know, for in the custody battle, you know, and I shut down my heart uh, at eight and a half years old. And I didn't understand that. Right. And I made an unconscious decision never to love again wow. because I never wanted to feel that betrayal again from mom and from dad. Mm -hmm. And I, I made that like self-command, like no one's ever going to hurt me like that again. And I'm going to make sure of it. I'm going to shut my heart so no one ever gets in to that vulnerable spot. Right. And it was all unconscious, of course, but that really impacted the rest of my adult life because in all my relationships, especially romantic relationships, anytime someone said, I love you, I cut them out of my life because they were getting too close. And I just self-sabotaged everything, business included, all my relationships in business. And that really snuck up on me. And what I found was that even with all the self-help, it does exactly what it promises. You help yourself, for sure. And I helped myself. But what I didn't know is that it would leave me alone by myself. And I became very self-reliant, very self-reliant. And I did very well in business at a young age and hit millions of dollars, you know, right out the gate. When I had it all that the world promised would make me happy by pursuing self-improvement, self-help, self-reliance, I got to the top and found that it was a lie. And I was miserable and alone and empty and broken on the inside, even though I had everything on the outside. And then I crashed and burned and wanted to take my own life. And what I realized years later, many years later, was that self-reliance only gets you so far, but it actually doesn't fulfill the deep areas of your heart, the deep areas of fulfillment and love and joy and peace that we all want and crave, right? And I found that, and I'm going to go here because this is my show and this is um, you know, faith-based, of course. I found that the missing ingredient was to go from self-reliance to God-reliance that I wasn't God, 
there was a God. There's something bigger that created all those bigger, beautiful things than me. I had no control over all the stuff outside of me. So obviously something else controls it. It wasn't me. Now you could call God, whatever you want to call him, right? Um, spirit, right? Universe, whatever. The name doesn't matter. Just that we recognize I'm not God and there is a God and, and, and I can't control any of this. So it was when I finally realized that and learned that, man, I got to surrender and stop trying to carry the weight of my own destiny. I was exhausted, exhausted. And I just gave it to him and surrendered everything. And after that, and that was a long process, by the way, it wasn't easy, as you said, after I did that, then I got those things I had been chasing that had always been elusive to me, peace, right? I got the woman of my dreams. I married her last year. Um, you know, baby, gorgeous baby, little girl, Alora, nine months old now. And all the things I thought were impossible for me, but possible for everyone else. Um, God gave them to me after I stopped pursuing self. So I'm just wondering, what are your thoughts on that? What shows up for you in your own journey? If you were just being real and transparent about that. So I actually, I, I, I love this topic. Um, I don't get to talk about it much. And thank you for, for bringing in, you know, religion is one of those taboo su subjects that a lot of people avoid. I don't avoid it at all. Um, but I, I also know that I don't typically put it this way. I don't typically bring it up, um, but I love talking about it. So thank you. So let me, let me just break down what you, so I, I have the utmost respect and I totally get, and there is no doubt in my mind, the power of what, religion and spirituality can do for people. And again, it all comes down to your brain and how your mind works. And for you, it was the perfect vehicle. You were able to discover, find your, you know, reconnect, whether it was reconnect or find it for the first time, you know, with God. And that connection helped to then met to, let's just say, propel the momentum of your mindset. Like it, it just, it was the right piece that now you sort of like, it's not all on my shoulders. I've got help. There's somebody in there here with me and just having that peace and, and, you know, that has, I'm sure had a tremendous impact on your life. And you look at all. So earlier I mentioned, this is the irony where I said, it's ironic. It was a religions of the world course. This professor who told me about this book, um, how to win friends and influence people was teaching this religions of the world course. And ironically, it was that same semester that my whole view on religion and spirituality shifted. And it's, it's continued to evolve over the years, but the, the gist is still pretty much the same, which is that I respect, I, I, I don't even want to say the word respect. I get that there's all these different religions around the world, right? So there's, there's Christianity, there's, you know, right. And then there's branches, Catholic, Protestant. Um, and, you know, you've got Hindu, you've got Buddhism, even the smallest tribe in Africa that's never had any contact with the outside world. There's very few of them at, at this point. But back when I was studying 25 years ago, there were still some left. And when they would come in, you know, come in contact with them, they would have some form of organized religion. And mm -hmm. to me, what clicked in my mind when I heard that, when I discovered that, and because I was, I was growing by the, by the way, I was, I was raised as a Episcopalian, essentially. My parents weren't incredibly religious, as I said. I mean, they were, it was, I came from a broken home. Sure. So church was not a big part of our, but, you know, once a year on Christmas, we would go to uh, Episcopalian church. Uh, in DC, we would go to the, uh, the, the, what was it? That, that big, huge, no, I'm drawing a blank. Anyways, church. Um, and so, you know, that was kind of like, okay, like, what is God? Is it, you know, and then when, so when I read, when I learned about that, I thought, you know what? I think it's innate in us to have that belief in a higher power. And if we're able to connect with that in our own way, and it's, and it's, and, and we use that to help us propel ourselves in life, then gosh, darn it. Why the heck not? Like, I think that's fantastic. And, you know, you might get a Hindu and what, what drives me nuts about religion is when you get somebody like a Hindu criticizing a Christian or a Christian criticizing a Hindu, like, how can you believe in this God? And it's just like, come on. Like if you were born in India and your parents, this is what you were raised. Maybe you would too, whether that's right or wrong. It is what it is. You can't. I, don't I like think I love what you just created there in the conversation, because we cannot judge other people's beliefs because we have not walked in their shoes, bottom line, right? The same way that I can't judge you for limiting beliefs that you created based on the environment that you grew up in. Had I grown up in that environment, any of my listeners grew up in that environment, we would have probably responded the same way you did. That's just what's so. So I lo love what you did with spirituality. I do want to just clarify two points there. Um, the first point is I really don't focus on religion as I've shared with you offline. You know, I focus on relationship. Um, I think religion has gotten so muddled, it's ridiculous. 
um, which has caused all this high level theological just fighting and, and everything. Um, for me, the shift was not knowing more about God or whose God is right or any of that heady stuff. It was really shifting. And this is the second clarification. Um, it was getting out of my head. My brain was the bleeping problem. Mm-hmm. It was getting out of my head and into my heart because the heart is the very thing that feels unfulfilled when you pursue all the pleasures of the world. The heart is what's starving, not the head. The head says, I'll go get you all those things if you want all those things. And it does. If you work hard enough and you don't give up, you don't quit. We're business guys, right? You'll get the stuff. You'll get the money, the pleasure. And I had it. But my heart was just like, there was like, I call it a God-sized hole in my heart that nothing could fill, dude. Like nothing. And I tried to fill that thing (laughs) and it just wouldn't work. And when I shifted out of my head and stopped trying to control my life with this thing, this computer system, and I shifted to my heart, a very humble place and said, I'm in control of nothing. Like father, heavenly father, I surrender to you my life because I'm looking at my track record here and it's not working. I've let my brain run my life. You know what? It's time to fire my brain doesn't mean I don't use my brain. Of course not. But I'm not going to let my brain lead my life anymore. I'm going to let my heart lead my life. And then my brain can come up with the actions and things and the steps to take to follow where the heart leads. And that was the big shift for me. And, and I'm going to connect this to God for a second, because biblically, you're, you were raised Christian. Biblically, God says that he lives where? In the head of man or in the heart of man? Heart. Heart. Exactly. By the way, you got an A on Episcopalian, right? <laughs> Boom. Um, yeah, there you go, right? So, but where do most of us live? Yeah. In our head. And it causes all the frustrations, the chaos, the stress, the anxiety, the suffering, the hurts, the ego, the pride, all that stuff is head problems. And God's down here in the heart. And it's like, we all live upstairs and he's knocking downstairs on the door of our heart saying, hey, I have everything you want. Come spend time with me. Listen to me. Give control to me. I'm the only one in control of running this entire universe and keeping it in existence, including your own life, right? So this is the part. It really comes down to pride. That's what it was for me. I did not want to give over control. I am a self-proclaimed little control freak. Bottom line, dude. And I have come to realize we all are. And the sooner we get to that, the sooner we can find freedom in that. And I'm not talking about religion here, people. I'm talking about a relationship with the one that created you, whatever you want to name it, regardless of where you grew up in the world, what shows up for you in that? Um, I mean, I couldn't agree more, you know, and, and I thank you and I appreciate, you know, having your perspective, uh, you know, sometimes it gets a little sticky when Mm -hmm. I, I appreciate you, you, you defining the difference between, you know, religion and, you know, basically this is something that it's in your heart and it's in your soul. And I agree like religion that's the, what I was, where I was kind of going with that there, there's a, a dark side of religion to where people start For fighting. Sure. And then it's, it's, I agree. My religion's better than yours. And then, then it's, and it's all pride, dude. It's, it's all, all pride. pride. Ego, ego gets involved. Ego and religion should never be in the same universe. Agreed. Yet we're human beings You're and so we're, right. we're creatures of ego. And if we're not, if we, if we don't, people like us that kind of can take a 10,000 foot step back and sort of say, okay, what's happening here? Am I letting my ego dictate, you know, am I going in, around and telling other people that they should believe in it? And, you know, I mean, it can translate to politics, although that's a rot, rabbit hole we probably don't want to go down, but it's the same concept in that like you get this belief system and you think it is so right because it's what you were raised in. It's what you grew up with. And then all of a sudden you come in contact with people that have the complete opposite. And of course they're wrong because if they're right, that means you're wrong. That means everything that you believe is is, is, is not, is, is, is incorrect. And that destroys your whole universe. So it's a protective mechanism for us to do that. And politics, same thing. Look, look at what's going on in the country right now, right? Regardless of who you voted for. I mean, half the country, half the country, half the world. I mean, it's going on all over the world, especially the United States though, hates the other, like in a lot of ways. Right. And it takes a higher evolved self. I feel like to be like, you know what? I see your perspective. I respect you. We don't have to beat it to death and go around in circles because I'm not going to change your mind. You're not going to change mine. Let's still have a relationship because I, I still have plenty, plenty of friends that voted for you know the opposite person that I did and you know at first it was a little strange and it took a little while for me to figure out how exactly to handle it and then it got to the point where I was like okay I respect you and it's the same with religion it's like or, or your beliefs I respect your beliefs they're not necessarily mine but let's respect each other as human beings and the fact that we're both trying to grow and become better people and that we both have the same 
vision of wanting to help the world and help ourselves and make this place a little bit better for, especially if you have kids, I always tie that into, you know, when you get a kid, it becomes all about the kid, right? You know, it's like, Oh God, it's all about you now. I just need to make the world a little bit better for you. It doesn't become, you know, speaking of getting away from your ego. So I guess that's my take on it all. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that in and BC nation. Hopefully what you're taking away from uh, my little rant, Will's, you know, rants uh, is that um, everybody is planted somewhere different in a different garden of life. And we cannot judge their color, their shape, what they think, what they believe. If we did not get raised in that same garden, you just can't, you just can't. And what it comes down to is, and, and I'll go here, I'll go cheesy for a second. I think what unites us all is our struggles. We all have the same right? Will, you struggled with faith and relationship with God. You struggled with religion. You struggled with self-doubt. You struggled with negative self-talk, limiting belief systems. So did I. We grew up in completely different places and completely different families. Everything you struggled with, I struggled with. Right. Right. Like there you go. What we do with it is the difference. And love, I would say, is what connects us all. And if you throw religion out for a second, all the organized, bastardized version of religion um, for a second, and just look at the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave us, love God with all your strength, meaning you're not him. He's bigger. He's in control. Love him and know that you're loved by him, right? And then number two, love others the way you love yourself. Well, first off, as you love yourself, which means you have to love yourself. I love yourself first. You can't, it's that's, impossible to love others if you don't love yourself first. That's key, right? So love God first. He fills you up with self-love. That's the secret, by the way. Yeah. Not the self-love, go read a book and, and pat each other on the back and kumbaya. That doesn't work. Sorry, I've seen it all. Um, but go to God. Let him fill you up. He created you with that self-love. And then pour into the lives of others around you. You do those two things, BC Nation, you're winning in your life. You're winning and you're attracting good things. So with that, let's segue uh, to your five core, Will. We made BC Nation wait long enough. Like, this is ridiculous, dude. They're listening in. They're like, dude, give me the five core. What's the five core, Will? All right. So I know we're probably going long on time. So um, I'll, I'll give you the the kind of the, I'll hit it with the, the, the main point so people can understand. And before I do that, one of my cores, the last core ties to what we were just talking about. So I'm going to bring the, that into. Uh, first core is your mindset. Okay. We've discussed this already on the show. I think you and I probably both agree. If your mind's not right, if you're not looking at the world, uh, for lack of a better analogy with the glass half full versus half empty, if you think your brain's broken, if you're this, this victim in life, as I said, I call it a fixed victim that there's nothing I can do about it. I was born the way I was born versus that growth owner mindset, which is what you want to develop, which is that obstacles are temporary roadblocks waiting for solutions. Fear is something that's actually signaling that there's a growth opportunity, right? How many of us, something fearful happens, something that scares us, which is we all are fearful of things and it stops us dead in our tracks and we go the other way, but then we never grow, right? And being bold, like reaching out to people like you, like developing these types of relationships, that's all part of it. It's part of facing fears. How many people just proactive, just, and like you, you and I offline were talking earlier about how you, you were talking about your writing and then, you know, you're like, I'm gonna use this as an opportunity Cause I'm kind of, to me, I, you didn't say that, but I heard maybe you were a little scared of the writing and then you just went full force into it and you forced yourself to write every day. And then what ended up happening? You've now become a better writer. You've created a book that's evolved in your brain from it. And, and you, you sounds like you approached uh, Mark Victor Hansen, who, you know, you guys might be doing something together, which is a bold move facing your fears. You know, I bet you the old you that you were talking about earlier, that was similar to the old me wouldn't have even come close to doing any of those things. Right. So that's, that's, a, that's a growth owner mindset that's, that you want to evolve into. Then the second core is your career and your finances. And to me, this is an important one because right now people have gotten to that hole, just like you said in my intro, it's if I could just make enough money, then I could just, then I'd be happy. If I could just get the right girlfriend, if I could just get enough power, if I could just this, if I could just that, if I could get enough likes on my, on my page. But from me and you, it sounds like you did the same thing. I sold my company last year. The company sold for a combined 323 million. I wasn't the sole owner, but... I was, you know, a big part of that. And I, but fortunately for me, by the time that happened, I already knew what was going to happen, which was exactly what did happen, which was that it felt unbelievable for about 10 minutes, maybe a little bit longer, right? Like, so insane. Oh, like the, the weight of the world is lifted off my shoulders. Yeah. I've done it. This was 10 years of my life that I just focused on. I didn't have, I wasn't married at that time. It was all about my career and finances. Part of me, again, goes back to my ego that my lower self was trying to prove to all those people that were ever mean to me 
F you guys, watch what I do. Watch how much money I can make, right? Bingo. But in doing that, you can easily get caught up in living a life that isn't true to your values, your passions, your strengths. And it started out great. Towards the end, I was so ready to sell. I, f- I feel very fortunate that we did. And then once I did, it was like, okay, I've got enough money where I never have to work again. But that's not how the world works. Sitting on a beach, drinking a pina colada. Take it from me, people. It may sound great. And you may think, you're, I just, if I could just get to that point. But you'll get bored in a week. I promise you. And then you'll be for like, for me, no. it was two weeks. It was two weeks for me. But two weeks. And yeah. right. And I'm but right. Can I go back to something you just said? Yeah, yeah. Because I think this is key, right? I get to coach a lot of uber successful dudes and gals that are crushing in their business, just like you have, and they go home miserable. They go home to disconnected marriages, headed towards divorce. Uh, they go home to disconnected kids, right? And and mom dad relationship, just all this broken mess in their relationships. And it's like, they're all pursuing what you just said. They spend 10 years of their life, everything, their energy, sacrificing the things that matter, the people that matter, the relationships that matter for just to get after 10 years, 10 minute feeling, that 10 minute feeling of, yes, I did it. Look at me world. And then it fades. Mm -hmm. And then they look back at all the human wreckage Mm -hmm. with regret. And what they could have been doing and the relationships they could have been building. The, like, seriously, the I think that was brilliant how you just spoke to that. Really? Thank Let's you. go into the next one. Relationships. So, right. Um, so then relationships, um, perfect segue. You know, I break it into three different categories. Your, your colleagues, acquaintances, people you kind of meet. You and I are a perfect example along the way, your journey through business where you have an opportunity there. You can either like you and I can meet today and. Mm-hmm. That would be it. We have this, I, I'm connecting with you right now. I don't know if you're feeling it. I feel like we're very similar uh, creatures and we've got a similar background, similar in that we struggle, not in, in how we struggle, but, and then we kind of, we got to this point where we, we thought we knew what was going to make us happy. It didn't make us happy. We had this epiphany, we shifted and then that became our career. So you and I could go separate directions and you get on your next call. I get on my next call and we never talk again. No, to me, I'm going to, I've got a system. I'm going to be writing your name down. I'm going to be taking notes on how we synergize what we have in common. And I'm going to be keeping in touch with you and we're going to potentially help each other. We're going to become allies moving forward, whether it becomes a friendship, whether it becomes a, an ally in business or, or both, you know, to me, there, there's opportunities everywhere. And how many people do you know that just kind of go through life looking down at their phone or, you know, just doing the polite, Hey, how are you? Or once they have an interaction with somebody, they never talk to them again, there's opportunity everywhere. And we cannot evolve both business-wise, spiritually, uh, emotionally. We, we got to have people in our lives. It's a primal instinct that we have. It goes back to our caveman days when we survived, when we had people around us because then the animals couldn't get to us because we had a better shot of fending them off. Like We have to have that. And if we isolate ourselves, which is becoming very easy to do now, especially with COVID and even before COVID, the trend was already starting, right? Where it's, it's very easy now to just stay in your home and watch your big screen TV and all your you have all your devices and all your streaming services. And that's a rabbit hole. You got to be real careful of not to go down. So I love the word devices because it has the word vices in it. Yeah. Vices are not good things in our lives. Right. Yeah. William, for a second there relationships, right? I really, you made it very clear the why behind relationships, why they're important in our lives. However, we throw them away so quickly or we stop them before they ever get started so quickly because we get busy again. And you used a great example of like, hey, we just met on the show, et cetera. I have so many guests that come on either one of my shows, both of my shows, and we hit it off, right? And they're like, oh my gosh, let's get on another call. Let's do this. Let's do that. Very similar to what you say. And by the way, I'm taking you at your word. So no worries there. But, But I never hear from them again. They break their words. They break their commitments. They get busy. And if I hear from them again, I hear excuses, reasons, apologies, whatever, for their busyness, right. which is takes priority in their life. And I don't get offended by it anymore, but I really get clear on how most likely the rest of their life is going. Right. And I'm just wondering, what's the quick fix for relationships to prioritize them? Like you said, um, like you, you just said, Joseph, I have a system to make sure that my humanity doesn't take over. It, it, that's exactly right. It, it's th- that is the answer. It's a system. And in particular, just, just for the sake of, you know, I've got a whole system to kind of help you help people to do that um, in a more, in a, in a little bit more in depth way I won't go into, but a quick, a quick way to do it is use that technology we were just talking about, which can be used for evil or it can be used for good. Right. And so instead of using your devices to just mindlessly zombie out and, and just scroll down the rabbit hole of news, that's depressing or, you know, binge watching. It's okay. By the way, I like TV. I like my movies once in a while and everything in moderation. 
but use those devices to proactively schedule in the time that you know that you want to spend with friends, with family, um, stuff like, like this. Like I literally have a reminder in my phone once a week, follow up with people, such people such as yourself. And I look and I have a schedule. Okay. These are the, again, I make notes of the people I meet. That's important too. Like when you meet somebody, you may think, Oh, that was an awesome interact. Just like you said, but, and then I'll, I'll never forget his name or how many kids he has guarantee you two weeks later, it's gone. And it's nothing against that person or you. That's just how the brain works. I mean, some people have an amazing memory. You can remember. I'm not one of them. Uh, I've, I've always been ADD. Add that to the, my list of struggles as a childhood, um, but which I love now because it actually, I, I use my ADD to my advantage, but that's, that's also a different story. So, but use that, you know, and, and proactively actually take a note. You can use your notes on your iPhone, on your, on your phone. That's what I do. I usually make a quick note and then I go home and I actually have this Excel spreadsheet where I then translate it. And like I said, the date I met them, their contact info, uh, what the synergy is, and then like what the last communication we had is, right? And then I- DC Nation, I, Will just gave you a really cool, simple relationship hack. When you meet someone and you just hit it off and you see a great opportunity there, possibly for collaboration, whether it be a business or it's a, a new friendship and you've been asking God, please send me a close friendship. Like I don't have any close friends or whatever. And then you meet that person that you just gel with and you're like, this is it. And then you leave each other without ever setting a time to get together again. And here's my little simple hack that has helped me tremendously because I used to show up that way in my life all the time. And then I'd be like, what was that person's name? I remember the feeling. I just don't remember the person <laughs> or, or their phone number. So Isn't here's the simple tragic? thing. How many relationships come out of our lives where it could have actually turned into something amazing, whether it was a friendship? This is, a this is my point. How many of those potential relationships were answered prayers? Yep. Like that we just threw away. And then we look up at God and say, man, he never answers my prayer. It's like, so here's the little hack BC nation that I use. It's super effective. Uh, if I ever am speaking with someone and we say, Hey, we should get together or we should talk about this again or set up a, another call or whatever. I say, great. Uh, I have my calendar on me. What day and time works for you. And I schedule it right on the spot every single time, because I know my brain will forget two minutes after they walk away because the next person comes in and then I hit it off with them and, and, and it just happens. And I'm, that doesn't work for me. So I create a very workable system. It's a new habit, right? It will is all about setting these habits that work in your life. And that's a habit that works. Yep. So will, before we get off the call, you and I will pick a day and time to schedule a, a follow-up. Love it. And then we'll have the devices do the auto responders to remind us we have a call that day, et cetera. And it works. And, and that's how we do it. it works. Right. And that's, that's how you use technology for, instead of against technology is not inherently evil. And I just want to throw that part in there too. You know, we've gotten to sure. a point where a lot of people are looking at it that way. You know, um, the Facebooks of the world, the Googles, yes, you know, these people like Zuckerberg, Page, they didn't go, they didn't, they're not evil people that went in like, I'm gonna, but I think they're trapped. Like the cat's out of the bag. They're in a position where they, they owe it to their shareholders to spot, to basically give them as much, uh, give the advertisers as much information as possible to sell ads, to make money. And so they're kind of trapped. You and I, we're not trapped. The rest of us aren't trapped. And we don't have to, to use tech that way. We can figure out how to use it productively and to better our lives. Let's talk about physical health, your number health, four core. Your sleep, your, uh, your, 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 what you eat, your exercise regimen, you know, it's pretty, pretty, pretty basic. Um, you know, we all know those things are important, but I think a lot of us underestimate how important, especially that mind-body connection. If you're not getting enough sleep, how much it affects your mood, your energy, your productivity, it's, it's unbelievable. And we all have different sleep patterns. So a quick hack for that, I tell people is make sure if you haven't already, it's amazing to me how many people are like, well, I don't know if I'm an earlier labor. I think I'm a late, like, figure out whether you, you know, when you're most productive, like pay attention, just pick a day and like 10 AM to 3 PM. That's my prime yeah. time hours. I'm uh, I'm usually eight to eight to one. So Got it. There you same, go. that's the same, same amount of time. Uh, and then I, I need to take a break. Sometimes I'll even nap during the day. There's no shame in my game. If I'm like, didn't get enough sleep or I'm, I'm like, you know what, there's no point in sitting in front of my computer and continuing on. I'm just spinning my wheels and not, not. Doing I told anything. you I was up at 4 50 AM this morning, wide awake, and I'll probably take a nap later on. So yeah, I love it. I get yeah. that. And so, and then you figure that out and, and just make sure you're getting the right amount of sleep. Like listen to your body. Like was seven hours enough is, do I need eight? The, the scientist has shown that like anywhere between six and nine, like some people can get away with six. Some people need nine. So don't just say, Oh, I need eight hours of sleep, which was like for years and years, we heard that right. Eight hours, eight hours, eight hours. And then also like, you got to get up early and you got to before 7am you have to have had your shake and you have to have had your workout. No, if that's, if that's your thing and you want to great, my wife's that way. She likes to wake up early. She gets a whole workout before the kids are even up. Not me. I like to, I like to sleep in a little bit more and I do my workouts actually at the end of the day, like at five o'clock, which yeah. wasn't, it kind of evolved into that. And again, bottom line is reduce the friction in your life to become the physical specimen you want to be. If 
you're a midnight snacker and you love Cheetos and Doritos, get rid of the Cheetos and Doritos from your cupboard, period. Like make them invisible, reduce the friction, replace them with something that at first isn't going to taste as good. For me, it's mixed nuts. At first I was like, this doesn't quite do it, but I would, you got to fake it till you make it. Right. And then I started eating these mixed nuts. And then before I knew it, I actually, now I crave the mixed nuts more than the Doritos and the Cheetos. I look at those and I'm like, God, how did I ever eat those? And it actually tastes better because I know that I'm, I'm improving my physical health when I'm eating them. And it, it's, it's an even better feeling. So it even tastes better. It's, it sounds crazy, but I promise you that stuff works. So in all areas of your physical health, including like you're working out, like don't run five miles. If you hate running, like don't make that be your physical health thing. Right. Like I like to play basketball. I just got into paddle here. It's something I'm in Chicago. It's something they do here. I, I was from Florida before. I, I never even knew about it. It's kind of like tennis, but you're in a little cage, like Thunderdome. Got into that. And that has replaced basketball because I tore my ACL. And also because the gym is now closed. Um, I tore my ACL 12 months ago. It's now since healed. But, and so I had to take a break. And then when it did come back, the gym had closed because of COVID. So now I'm doing paddle and it's outdoors and it's great. I do push-ups at the end of the day. I put my kids on my back. So I'm, I'm habit stacking. Not only am I getting a good workout, I'm spending time with my kids. We're having a fun time. We're playing together. They're jumping on my back. So reduce the friction, you know, figure out what it is in your life that you like that works for you and incorporate those elements. Into your physical. So two things, BC Nation, to recap what Will is saying, as far as your physical body, your physical health, um, reduce the friction and then stack um, on things that you like, right? So Great example, Will, that you gave for yourself, for me, for my cardio. I hate running, absolutely hate it. So I'm that guy, um, but I know how my body requires cardio. I love playing racquetball. And man, that is a beast sport. I Other similarity, right? Go it's up. fantastic, yeah. right? So I love that. Very similar, great sport. Exactly, right? But reduce the friction. I say remove the temptation, set yourself up to win, not to fail. These are uh, very simple strategies, BC Nation, for you, okay? Typically, we don't get into all this uh, physical stuff and, and hacks and everything like that, but you know what? You are a spiritual being living in a physical body. We got to take care of both. All right, talk about number five, uh, emotional and giving back. So last but not least, and this ties into emotional health. Some people may look at my five cores and go, well, where's religion in there? This is where religion, spirituality comes in. It, Let's it, take religion out. Let's go with uh, spirituality or re relationship with God. Relationship with God, spirituality. So this is the point is your, your emotional health. It's your, what are you passionate about? What do you, what do you love to do? Are you incorporating those things in your life as well as, are you just going through life as a chicken with your head cut off or, and, and are you always stressed out? Are you always dwelling on things? Or do you look at the big picture and remember to incorporate things that you know are going to help you through life, going to make you happier, bigger, better, faster, stronger. And so spirituality relationship with God is certainly one of those. Um, but it doesn't, in my mind, it doesn't have to be again, like, you know, whether depending on where you're raised, where you, you know, whatever, um, you can find that in other ways. But so, you know, are you making the, the key is like, what do you love? And again, this is one, a hack for this is to proactively schedule it using your technology, right? So for instance, if you love to play racquetball, and you're working on your book and all of a sudden you're like, it's been two months since I've gotten on the court because I've just been like stuck in front of my computer. What happened? No, once a week or, or more, you know, you, you schedule it into your life. That way it's like your alarm goes off. You've got no choice. It's there. You're doing it. But if you don't proactively do it, trust me, people, time will, will go by. And then the law of compounding, I call it the equation of life, your belief system plus your repeated actions plus time equals who you will become it will catch up to you and physical health, emotional health, all that stuff. If you, if you are for your emotional health, since we're talking about it, if you're, you know, having negative thoughts all the time, if you're always stressed, if you're always depressed, if you're not doing the things you love, you're going to start to become a really bad version of yourself. So, um, and can I, add, last, can I add to that? Will? Yeah, please, please do. Yes. I'd like to just piggyback on that, uh, for you, BC nation, um, not only schedule uh, these things into your life, like Will is saying, that's step one, absolutely. If you really wanna make sure you get it, then step two, have someone meet you there. Um, have someone do it with you, whatever that thing is, right? So I'll go play racquetball with a friend on Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. Now I can't back out of it. I'm committed, I have accountability built in. Yeah. Um, just yesterday, I'm part of a men's group at our church and uh, I told the guys, I wanna pray with my wife more. And I haven't been doing enough and I want to do that. Does anybody else want to do that with me? I need a buddy to hold me accountable. And, and does anybody want to invest in their marriage more that way? You know, and man, one, like out of 10 guys, like they all just went blank stare. Like they're not ready to do that. And they're running all these scenarios. Oh, that would be awkward for my wife. And this one guy, he goes, I'll do that. I want that. And I'm like, awesome. So then another guy jumped in and now three of us are on text 
uh, a little text thread holding each other accountable. And we started yesterday and the three of us spent five minutes holding our wife's hand, looking into her eyes and praying that God bless her in her life and the things she's struggling with, what she's dealing with. And then she does it for us, the husband. You know what that does to connect us in our marriage? Huge, 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 huge momentum builder in the relationship. And it takes five minutes, folks. Five minutes. So William, let's wrap up this show because we got way over. I don't yeah, I never man, go sorry. over 60 minutes. What's up, buddy? Yeah, uh, dude. This was amazing. Um, yeah. Well, the last piece of that, I have to say, it's the giving back portion, the emotional health and giving back. You'll get to a place in your life where I think it will hit everybody at some point. Unfortunately, it hits a lot of people really late where you realize that giving is better than receiving. It sounds like a cliche. People that haven't done it yet are like, yeah, whatever. It's because you made all this money. Of course it's but I, I learned it before I made all the money and I learned the more I give to people and the more I genuinely want to help others achieve their goals, that the more that's going to come back to you. And that's what I've now based my entire career off is, is, is helping the world, you know, so that they'll pay it forward to help others, which I guess selfishly in a way is helping me because I want my kids to grow up in an awesome world. So there you have it. All five cores wrapped up in a tidy bow. All right, BC Nation, we're speaking with Will Moore. You can find him at moremomentum.com, moremomentum.com. Will, before we close out your story here. Welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. This is where I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready, sir? I'm ready. Let's do it. What is your favorite thing? Well, I'm going to have to change up the questions a little. Uh, typically, I ask what's your favorite thing about God, but I'll ask what's your favorite thing about spirituality? Uh, I, as we talked earlier, I love what it does for people in terms of being able to propel their momentum forward by connecting with that and having that as their partner. And sort of a, a almost like an accountability partner, like we were just talking about, to make sure that you're on the right path and headed in the right direction. If we were speaking about God just for a moment, hmm. what is your least favorite thing about God? I mean, nothing about God. Religion, as I said earlier, I don't like in religion how people tend to say mine's right and yours is wrong, and then that actually segregates people. When we all know that the whole root of religion and spirituality and what it's about is to bring people together. Mm, I get that. So would it be fair to say you don't like the way God allows people to present him? Yeah, that would be fair. It's a good way to say it. Awesome. What are you most afraid of? Well, that's a good one. Getting old. <laughs> just that this comes to mind first. Um, yeah. Not of dying, but just getting old and not being able to do all this awesome stuff that I do every day. And just getting to a point where my body starts to shut down and I can't do these great things with, with, and then, you know, my kids are going to grow up and they're going to be gone. And yeah, you know, I, I love this place I'm at right now. At the same time, I look forward to the future. And I think that if I maintain my physical health core, I mean, you do see it, it happens. You see 80 year olds are out there. And in fact, um, at the paddle course I go to, there's an 80 year old guy. He still plays. So do you know, uh, Mark Victor Hansen, what age he is intending to live to? No. 120. Huh. Doesn't surprise me. And he probably will. I set my intention for 100. And then after he said 120, I'm like, well, why wouldn't I? Let's go to 120. Let's do yeah. life, buddy. Uh, go to 121. All right. Right. You're not competitive at all. Um, so, Will, I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. It's just part of being human. What are you currently struggling with, either professionally or personally? Um, dwelling. Dwelling on things that I can't control. It's always been something that I've struggled with and will probably always be something that I work on. I've gotten way better at it but I still catch myself every day starting. But the, the good news is I've gotten to a point where I can now catch myself almost immediately and say, what are you doing? Stop. That's not going to help you. Um, and whether it's, you know, my, my, about my kids, whether it's about, you know, uh, something stupid as a stock, which, you know, like uh, as we've talked about money, it doesn't really matter. And then I get caught up. I'm like, why do I care that? But I mean, there are big swings sometimes in the market, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. So that'd be it. Yeah. A little control freak tries to control our little universe. Yep. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year? Like a, so a bad habit that I shouldn't have done that I wish I could undo, basically. Yeah, just what did you spend way too much time doing? Way too much time doing. Um, ah, I know. It. It's perfecting, spending time on perfection. Um, perfecting my website, perfecting my book, perfecting my social media, whereas versus just taking action and just putting stuff out there, seeing what sticks, getting people's opinion, trying to make it perfect before I present it to the world has caused weight. Cause then I end up changing it anyways. I'm like, I didn't need to spend 18 hours doing that. Dude, I'll tell you, it becomes endless iterations, doesn't it? Yep. What Wait. secret fear do you have about people? 
God, if you'd asked me 25 years ago, I would that's, have said everything. That's um, what I was thinking. What about now though? Now, you know, I, I really have evolved my mindset to look at people as opportunities to, like I said, connect. And I always just assume that part of my, I say a mantra every morning, by the way, it's part of my, it's one of my habits. It's part of my morning routine. Um, and one of my lines, my mantra is everyone on this earth is here to love and support me. And I will return the favor to ensure fulfilled momentum. And to me, that kind of says it all. Like, I just assume people are here to love and support me. And then I go and give it back. And nine times out of 10, it pays off. There's always going to be somebody you don't click with or gel with, or, or they don't reciprocate or they're so whatever. And I, I've, I've learned to just sort of say, okay, man, or, or lady, you go your way. I'll go mine. And um, yeah, that's, that's where I've evolved to. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? Um, just, yeah, sooner that the, the, the view I have now, which is that he, I wouldn't put a, a specific face or a specific name with him, but more the spiritual aspect of there's this higher power out there. We don't quite know what it is or how to interpret it, but we all make an interpretation of it that works for our lives. And I think that's great. Um, if I'd gotten that earlier on, I think it would have probably benefited me more. Yeah. I hear that. What is a new habit you want to create in your life? Well, I've got my top five on my desk right now. So I'll go to number one, shorten, simplify, talk and write succinctly. So I want to shorten all my writing. I want to talk more succinctly. I want to get my points out. You just said it right here. We're an hour and 15 minutes. I'm guessing this is one of your longest interviews. I tend to go on where I want to really work on saying what I want to say in two sentences versus eight sentences. Well, listen, we both showed up imperfect today because typically I will cut my guest off left and right, man. <laughs> and, and today I just didn't. So uh, what is a bad habit that you want to break? I'll go back to my list. Um, we talked about dwelling already. Mm -hmm. Posture, just a simple physical. physical like one. sitting up straight or so, standing yeah, straight? I do this. You can't right here. Like hunching? Right. So yeah. law of compounding, what's this going to turn into? you know, over 20 years of sitting at my desk versus, you know, sitting like this. So I actually got this little, a little hack, speaking of tech hacks, it's called the upright go, you put it right here. I don't do it for interviews because it buzzes every time I lean forward, but it helps to control whenever you lean forward, it knows and it buzzes and it snaps you right back. You have like a dog zapper for the back of your neck for your posture. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yes. Yes. I've never heard of that. Yeah. It's called the upright go. I highly recommend it if people are at their desk all day and they find themselves doing the, the, Blossom. I mean, that is the positive use of self-harm, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't hurt. It just, no, no, it, it's it. just the vibration. Reminder. It makes you aware. I just uh, got a stand-up desk for my home office here to correct that uh, posture thing. I was doing the exact same thing, dude. And I'm already noticing the difference. Plus you burn more calories, yep. which is awesome. Uh, pick three words to describe who you are now. Uh, I would say firing on all cylinders, emotionally intelligent, and empathetic. Got it. Pick three words to describe who you were before. The exact opposite. <laughs> before you surrendered to you're not in control of the universe. Yeah. Um, right. It was uh, low, very low emotional intelligence, no self-awareness, um, no confidence, um, and just basically felt like, yeah, think of yeah. Think And Will, if you could come back to life after you died, look at your family and friends, your wife, your two boys in the eye, give them only one piece of advice about everything, all of it, life, eternity. What would you say to them? Never stop moving. Just keep taking action. Whether it's mentally, you know, whether it's physically, um, the moment we stop moving and evolving and growing and, and having, and, and I'll tie goals into that. So never set goals and never stop moving towards them. And if you reach one, set another one, because that is happiness. We, we're built that way. We need to keep, like we both said, when we sold our businesses, it was like, okay, well, what now what? And if you don't know that the next step is to set another goal, then you're in a lot of trouble. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about having a relationship with God versus not? Uh, I, as I said earlier, if whatever your God is, and you know, obviously a lot of your listeners, um, it's clear what that God is. Just do not let anybody sway you from that. And if that's, if keep using that to build that momentum in your life, and that is your partner, that is your accountability, that is your, your, your guiding light, whatever you want to call it, and use that to help you get to where you want, because you're not alone in this world, in this universe. And, you know, that's, that's something you need to remember. I love it, Will. So God is my accountability buddy. That's, that's, it. that's what I got from that. Awesome. All right. So, uh, Will, how does BC Nation get in touch with you if they so choose? So website, more momentum, to be clear, it's like my last name, M-O-O-R-E, momentum.com. 
Um, I also have a um, uh, social media. My biggest probably, if you're on Instagram, it's called Five Core Life, spelled with the actual five, not spelled out F-I-V-E. Five core life and we have fun videos i'm always trying we didn't even get into it but i gamify i'm trying to make it fun and interesting to reduce the friction to level up to make it cool again cool or cool for the first time for self-help right we talked earlier about this stigma with it um so we have fun little videos of people doing great things and, and positivity and stuff and then i do my own little videos on there to help people um on habits and how to better their lives all right bc nation if you would like to take will's core life evaluator quiz and start firing on all cylinders today in your own life, then go to moremomentum.com. Take that free quiz right now. See how you're stacking up in your life. You maybe think you're doing great, but there might be one or two areas of improvement that you're missing. Maybe you have a blind spot like the rest of us. Maybe Will can help you with that. Will, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I know you stretched yourself in this conversation, spiritually stretched yourself. I acknowledge you for that. Yeah, thank I you. I acknowledge you for showing up, no judgment, no agenda, and just really just receiving um, just this conversation and new possibilities uh, that showed up within it. So thank you for that. Um, I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir. Thank you, man. This has been a pleasure. BC Nation, you cannot show up authentically in your life without building faith in your business. If you want the business side of that conversation, I have another podcast called First 100K, where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000, because that's where I believe 90% of you are stuck and you can't break through. Go to first100k.com to find out how. I'm Joseph Warren. You were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day and I'll see you right back here next week.